Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. I guess you could say this is a part two from this morning. For those of you that were in the adult service this morning, we talked about the path to passion, the path to passion. Tonight, with the help of the Lord and your help as well, I want to preach on passion for his house. Passion for his house. Familiar story, John chapter 2, verse 13. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the money, the changers of money, and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. In verse 17, his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. Lord, I stand in need of your anointing. Your word is already anointed. God, would you help us tonight, help our church in this message to grow. Help our church, Lord Jesus, to have some change in our spirit and our understanding, God, of who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Be seated. Passion for his house. It is reported that there are seven wonders of the world. It is commonly known. I declare to you tonight that archaeologists and architects and all the historians have overlooked one. For I believe there are actually eight wonders of the world. There's a wonder in the world today that surpasses the splendor of any ancient pyramid in the ancient hanging garden of Babylon. There's a structure more majestic than the Colossus of Rhodes and the lighthouse of Alexandra. There's an entity that still stands in resplendent glory and majestic beauty as perhaps the highest wonder. There is this eighth wonder of the world and it is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It has been for over 2,000 years in place and continues today. I don't care what they say about religions being dead. I don't care what they say about Christianity being dead. It doesn't matter how many denominations go a different way. Our, our churches that close, the church 
of the living God is still a wonder to behold. The church is awesome in beauty. It is unparalleled in power. And it is unprecedented and unmatched in its excellence. The seven wonders of the ancient world are gone and crumbling. And many of them forgotten. But the church still marches on. Amen. Make no mistake, brother and sister, the church born on the day of Pentecost never died. The church didn't die in the dark ages. Rome couldn't stop it. Amen. The dark ages couldn't bury it. Amen. The arrival of false doctrine and dogma that was not according to the apostles has not halted the advancement of truth. The church continues to go on. The church is like no other institution. There is no other organization or movement like the church. There is no business or establishment or government that can be compared to the church. We find that the church is said in 1 Peter 2 and 10, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Enough said. We are a wonder of the world because we are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Hallelujah. The Word of God talks about the church in so many descriptive ways. The church is the assembly of the upright. The church is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church of God, the church of the living God, the church of the firstborn, the church of uh, uh, the congregation of saints. We are called the flock of God, the fold of Christ, the general assembly and firstborn. We are the golden candlestick of revelation. God's building to the Corinthians. God's husbandry, Paul said. We are God's heritage. Somebody say, thank the Lord for the church. The church is the habitation of God. The church is the heavenly Jerusalem, according to Galatians and Hebrew. The church, according to Revelation, is the new Jerusalem. The church is known as the holy city, the holy mountain, the holy hill, the house of God, the house of Christ, the household of God, the Lamb's wife, Mount Zion. Praise be to God. We are the pillar and the ground of truth. The church. The church is the sanctuary of God. The church is called the spiritual household. The church is called the temple of the living God. And he said, you are the temple of the living God because the Holy Ghost dwells in you. Can you thank God for the church tonight? Come on and thank Him for the church tonight. Church is a unique community. Church is a unique family. We are the children of God. We are members of the household of God. We are members of the household of faith, sons and daughters of the King. God's people are are mightily marching and moving as a world-changing force. He has called us, amen, to the direction of being forward. God wants the church to move forward. I'm pressing on, the songwriter says, the upward way. I'm moving forward. This is a forward movement. The church is an advancing force. Jesus proclaimed it, so it is thus. It is so. He said in Matthew 16, 18, I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my 
church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven God's people are an awesome force moving and not even the gates of hell can stop a progressive apostolic on fire spirit filled church of the living God Hallelujah. Jesus said he would build his church. His church is not a denomination. His church is not an organization that is man-made. Though they may have their place and their part. Jesus said, I'll build my church. Rome didn't build his church. John the Baptist didn't build his church. Martin Luther didn't build his church. Amen. Even the, the apostolic forefathers didn't build it. He said, I'll build it. I'll build my church. I'm a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Marching, moving. Vibrant, unstoppable. COVID didn't stop it. I said COVID didn't stop it. Hallelujah. Famine, disease, and pestilence, recession, depression hasn't stopped the church. He designed his church to be prevailing. He designed his church to be overcoming. He designed his church with authority and power. He never intended for a church, his church, the local assembly even, to be stagnant and lukewarm and stuck in a rut, having small thinking and little ideas. But he came to give us power. Power not just so that we could be successful. Amen. It's not just about numbers, but it is about walking in his authority and being the designated arm of Jesus Christ on the face of this earth it is not a church that is bogged down in the quagmire of mediocrity it is not a church that's just barely getting by Jesus said I will build my church can you thank the Lord for that I will build my church this is it pastor's church this isn't pastor's church. This isn't bishop's church. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. Then he said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not dominate it. Shall not win. I don't care how strong the Antichrist spirit is moving today. It will not win. It will not win. I don't care how, how crazy our culture has become. And with all of Babylon's alphabet soup, amen, it will not prevail. It may look like it's prevailing, but it shall not prevail. Hallelujah. Put persecution on the church in the early, eight, in the early stages of the Acts church. They begin to persecute them. And what happened? Revival broke out. Revival broke out. I want to tell you, he said, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. The word church in the Greek is ecclesia, which refers to the Romans' senate. Originally, it referred to the Roman senators in Rome, and the senate was selected by the king as the called out ones that would know his vision and advance it, would know his passion and advance it would know the king's mind and advance it. 
and his intentions and that that so the church was the called out ones to advance his agenda. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not about advancing our agenda or advancing our kingdom, but rather his, this church of the living God. He said, thou art Peter, Petros, the noun form, the rock or a stone. And he said, upon this Petra, the bedrock, amen. It's a large mass. Peter, you're a little stone, but there's a large mass. There is a Petra, that a large mass that God said, I'll build my church upon this. I'll build it for the progression of my people. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 4 talks about this. To whom... Be, in, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Jesus Christ is the living stone, but he doesn't stop there. He says in verse 5, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Jesus, the, the foundation, is a living stone, and those that are on him become lively stones. I want to tell you, God never meant for his church to be boring, dead, dull. He meant for his church to be on him, living, breathing. Hallelujah. When you see the church, Jesus says, you see me, the master designer with the master plan. When you follow the ministry of Christ, you will find him in many portraits. You will find him extending mercy to a woman caught in adultery. He's compassionate. You will find him healing the blind, raising the dead, eating with sinners, resting on a well. And then talking to a woman who was not accepted in society and telling her about living water. You find Jesus rejoicing in a wedding, turning water into vine. You find Jesus walking on the water, casting out devils, sleeping in the boat. Amen. While the stormy sea is tossing. You will find over and over different pictures of Christ. But one of the greatest pictures of Jesus Christ that distinguishes him above all is that he was passionate. He ministered with passion. He did things with passion. Hallelujah. And so I thank the Lord for the model of passion in Jesus Christ. So we find that at this moment, when it was Passover time, Jesus, as his custom was, since the age of 12, he went to the temple to worship around the correct time of Passover. And he would go there. And the thing about the temple at this time is that they were growing. They were getting bigger. They were getting better. They had nicer things. Herod's temple was there. And it was a beautiful place. A great edifice to carry out the task of the tabernacle. Amen. In an excellent manner. They had all the accommodations there. All the priests was in place. Two hundred. 200 palace or, or t uh, temple guards that were there to keep the peace. Amen. And so they're, they're having an issue. They can't get all of their business done outside of the temple. So what they decided to do, they got a brand idea, and they decided they're going to bring the business side into the tabernacle area. 
You know, after all, we, we need to make sure that the sacrifices are there. We need to make sure that the money is being properly exchanged from the Roman m- uh, money and the other foreign coin and currency to the temple uh, uh, dollar. We need to make sure that we got a place for that. So let's move the tables and the money changers uh, for where we normally have it with the Gentiles. Uh, 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 let's move it into that Gentile court uh, and, and let's put the pens in there with the, with the goats and the sheep and the, and the birds and let's put the pens in there so we can house them up and we're going to have our own little station over here on this side of the tabernacle. What a disappointment as Jesus stood in the doorway and looked around on the scene of confusion. Oxen were bawling and sheep were bleeding and doves were, were, were getting loose and flying off here and there and the temple began to look like a place that was total chaos. The area that that, that should not have manure now had manure. The area that, that should not have had this mess now had this mess. Men were arguing and bartering over money and tempers were flaring and hard words were flying here and there. There was pious pilgrims that were coming to say I want to seek the Lord and yet they've got to deal with this mess. The temple priests were oblivious to the confusion. They were making a great show of their religious piety and their form in their long roads and their broad flactories and and they were saying their prayers Uh, proud Pharisees stood as if they were the smartest people to be seen and heard in their prayer with their long eloquent statements what would Jesus feel when he walked into that temple and what was not supposed to be there in the Gentile court was now there the Bible said the Jewish Passover was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. Jesus was very familiar with the house. He knew what was supposed to be there and not, after all, it was his temple. Somebody say his temple. The scene became disturbing to him. But I want you to notice something that stands out to me. is The Bible says that he made a, a scourge or a small whip and he began to drive them out. Jesus doesn't act rationally and go off raving mad. But I see him as he finds somewhere some leather straps. And he begins to plait them together to make him a whip. He's calculating. He's watching. He's not just exploding. But he's getting ready to do something that you didn't expect someone of his mind character to do but he looked at him and he begins to crack the whip and somehow oblivious to the 200 guards that couldn't stop him and all those that were selling that couldn't stop him he would take the 500 pound marble tables and overturn them and drove out the money changers and drove out the sheep and drove out the oxen and drove out things that did not belong there And he says, take these things hence. Make not my father's house of house of merchandise. You will find in your study of the life of Christ that he cleansed the temple twice in his ministry. Once, and is recorded here in the beginning of his ministry, the very first public ministry thing that Jesus did is that he drove the changers out and he cleansed the temple. The last thing that he did is that he went back in again and in three years they're right back to the same old mess and so he's got to drive them out one more time. 
Then the disciples watching this said something very exciting. Something pricked their hearts from the book of Psalms 69 and 9. They remembered that the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. The zeal, the excitement of mine, the ardor, the fervent of spirit, passion if you please. The passion has eaten him up for his house. Passion is extreme, compelling emotion. Intense emotional drive or excitement. Immense emotional leading to compelling action. The disciples said, they remember the words, the zeal of your house has consumed you. I've come to ask you tonight, as Jesus was our example, have we come to the place that the zeal for his house, for this local assembly for our local assembly is the zeal for this house consuming us today are we so passionate about this house it doesn't matter who we are doesn't matter how we worship doesn't matter the truth that we preach doesn't matter the lifestyle that we live oh glory be to God I pray that we would be more like Christ and let the zeal of his house eat us up John 4, 35, Jesus said, My meat, my passion is to do the will of him that sent me. My passion is to do his will. In Luke 12, 49, it says, I am come, Jesus said, to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how am I straightened? How am I passionate? How am I all in? How am I fervent until it be accomplished? Jesus cleansed the temple with passion. He drove out the temple a mess with passion. He poured out the money changers' money with passion. He overthrew the tables with passion. I would to God that we would be like Jesus and that MPC be in our local assembly. If you're a member of MPC, that there ought to be something that grabs a hold of your heart that says, I will never be complacent about my church. I will never be complacent about coming to the house of God. I will never be apathetic about God's house. I want to know, do you have passion for the Lord's house? We're living in an age of indifference. We're living in an age that is marked by outrage. That's quickly followed up by apathy. Outrage that's followed up by apathy. We are extremely materialistic and we have become a society that's emotionally dead to anyone else but our, our particular cause. We're living in a lotto mentality. That means I'm going to win it big, but I'm not going to pay a price. Oh, we need passion today in this world. We need passionate churchgoers. We need passionate leaders. We need passionate worshipers. We need passionate prayer warriors. We need passionate people that will take it upon them to love the lost and win the lost. We need passionate people that will reach to backsliders and say, I want to see you born again. I want to see you saved. Come back home. I want to see you saved. Come back home. I want to talk to you about a few things that will kill your passion. A few things that will kill your passion. Number one, and it happened to this particular story. When the precious things of God become common. It will kill your passion. When coming to church becomes commonplace. 
When it becomes, I'm just here again. It's Sunday morning, I'm here again. It's Sunday night, we're going to go through the routine. It's Tuesday night, we're going to go through the routine. We know what to expect. We're just going to go and, and we're going to have good church and I'm going to go home and, and, and I'm going to watch anything but Disney. But when the precious becomes commonplace, they brought the sacrifices into a place because they needed it, they thought. But that made the sacred become secular. Without passion, the temple becomes a place like going to Walmart, a place like just simply going through the motions. And I, I want to tell you, I know sometimes we've made it about the dress and we've made it about the appearance. Can I tell you, passion isn't about just how you dress in the house of God. It's the attitude you walk through the door into the house of God. It's the sacredness about how you walk into His presence. There ought to be an attitude that sweeps over our, our heart as I'm about to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and I want Him to know that I love Him and I want Him to know that it's sacred. This is not a casual meeting. I thank God for fellowship. I thank God for being together with you. But oh, I want to be in the presence of the king excuse me while I be passionate about it passion when, when, when the precious things or the sacred things become common when the prayer room becomes just something that I can bypass because I just don't want to be there can I tell you this is something pastor wants to deal with a very, very particular thing is that if we want revival, it's not going to begin here at worship. It's going to begin in the prayer room when we begin to pray and seek God with passion. We begin to lift our voice. Let me just say to all preachers that come here to MPC, if you're a preacher, you feel like you're being called to preach, that'll be the first place you go on Sunday night is the prayer room and be passionate about it. Lift up your voice just like you're going to preach. Amen. If you want the Lord to hear your voice from the fire, the pulpit, then let him hear your voice in a prayer room. I know you have your own personal prayer, but I want to tell you there comes a time when we've got to be ardent. We've got to be passionate about the kingdom of God. We're living in the last days. We can't wait for another opportunity. I don't want another Sunday to go by that I'm not passionate about the things of God. Lord, don't let them become commonplace to me. Let it be, Lord Jesus. That the sacred remains sacred. The sacred remains sacred. I'm so thankful for our kids that come up here during worship. Do you know what? I've watched and their kids. They're going to do some fun things. I love watching some of them get to dancing. You know how they'll know to do that right? Because they turn around and watch mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and, and sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so worshiping and dancing before the Lord. Because they'll imitate you. You want your children to be passionate about worshiping God? Then you be passionate about worshiping God. You want your children to come, amen, with a heart that's ready and say, man, I can't wait to see. We're going to have good church today. It's none of this. I, I, and I, I'm not trying to say that this is where you are. I'm just using it as an excuse uh, uh, to say what I'm going to say. But here's where we come sometimes. i got to go back to church. You've know, got to go through the routine. No, I get to go to church. It's the house of God. I'm going to hear 
hear something, there's going to be a song tonight. My, didn't that praise team bring us into the presence of the Lord with passion tonight? Oh, glory be to God. I want there to be a passion in my soul for the house of God. Another thing that will kill your passion is wanting to be accepted and approved. Seeking average. Settling for normal. Everyone else is doing it. I'll be everyone else. Trying to fit in. Trying to, 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 to just get by. Trying to be a robot or a puppet. Just simply making it a part of just a process. Wanting to be accepted and approved by others. I want to tell you, I praise God for our live stream. But we're not going to shut down shouting because we're on live stream. We're going to still, as I said this morning, we still believe in shouting and running the aisles. We still believe in dancing. We still believe in giving God the best, very best praise that we can. Hallelujah. You say, Pastor, I don't have any room. You can open that door right there and there's a big old parking lot. You can run around all that you want to. Praise be to God. Ushers, get ready. Go out the back door. Worship and praise God. Come on. Anybody remember doing that in your life? I've done it more than once to give God praise. I'm going to make room to praise the Lord. I'm going to make room to give him praise. I can't afford to become uh, 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 without passion and apathetic. So wanting to be accepted is another thing that kills our passion. Another thing that can be a, a, a passion killer is living in a passive society. Nobody else cares, so why should I? Jesus said it like this, Matthew 24, 12, And because iniquity shall abound... The love or the passion of many shall wax cold. The love of many, the passion of many shall wax cold. We're living in a passive society. It's time to break that passivity and say, I'm going forward with passion. I'm going to pray with passion. I'm going to worship with passion because the passion of the Lord's house has eaten me up. Another thing that brings a killer to passion is the lack of purpose, the lack of direction, no desire. Amen. I want, to, I want to talk to you about what Jeremiah says. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. Jeremiah 48 and 10. Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. Look at that word. Mark it deceitfully that does the work of the Lord deceitfully and cursed be he that keepeth back his sword from blood you know what he's saying the prophet is saying cursed be he that does the work of the Lord negligently or without passion the NIV says a curse on him that is lax in doing the Lord's work if it's the Lord's work it's worth my passion if it's God's work it's worth me putting my very best into hallelujah the rite of Ecclesiastes says it like this in 9 and 10 whatsoever thy hand findeth to do do it with all your passion hallelujah you know why we are blessed amen that the have such things as what we have with Mother's Day and we have our Community Day and, and we have a Resurrection Sunday and we have all this because there's somebody behind the scenes that said I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about this video I'm creating. I'm passionate about this event that I'm over. Why? This is God's house. I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm glad to be a part of it. Now, I know today some people say, 
Pastor, all you do is holler. I could get up here and talk to you monotone. We are so glad to be here in the house of the Lord tonight with you. But that's not me. I said, that's not me. I mean, if you've known me for 40 years, that's not me. That's not me. Lord, let me be like Jeremiah that said, I tried one time to quit. I tried one time to shut my mouth, but I couldn't because it was like fire shut up in my bones. And I could, I became weary with my mouth being closed. Amen. You know what I want to be? I want to be, I want to be worshiping the Lord in the house of God. Amen. As long as I can dance, I want to dance. As long as I can jump, I'm going to jump. And if I can't jump, then these old hands are going to move like this. And if these hands can't move like that, then I'll find me a hanky and I'll get it out and I'll praise God. God some way. I want to worship Him with passion. I don't do it for you, but I love the Lord. I love His house. I love His people. And I love His presence. Oh, Lord, help us to have a passion for His house. Jesus said in Luke 13, 24, He said, strive. Somebody say, strive. Strive to enter into the straight gate, for many I say unto you will seek. You know the difference between a seeker and a striver? Passion. Passion. A striver puts everything they got into it to find the truth and the gate into heaven. Amen. But others will just seek. I'll just let it slide. I'll just kind of be nonchalant. The time has come for the people of God to be ablaze with passion for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 14 and 12. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous, ye are passionate of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Your passion for spiritual gifts will minister to the church. Your passion about ministry about church, about worship, about soul winning, about loving God, about Bible study. Your passion will minister to the church. Seek that you have passion. Can I just tell you today, if you're going to sing a song, you might as well give it your best. I will be honest with you. I think they're great songs, but there's some songs that are written out there that don't sound the same when an apostolic starts singing it. These little bless me, Jesus get about songs and little soft voices and, and never one time getting down to the point where it's just like, I'm all in. I want to sing with all of my heart. You know what? But pastor, I don't sing very well. Sing anyway. Sing anyway. Worship the Lord. Amen. Do your best. Do it with passion. If you're going to, to construct or don't, don't do something in the house of God, when it comes to building the physical building, then do it with passion. Do it with passion. If you're going to put on a play or dramatic performance, let's do it with passion. Hallelujah. You children that are going to sing in the kids choir next Sunday, can I tell you, sing with passion. Don't you worry about what anybody else says because I'll be sitting right over here shouting and saying, Woo! great job. Come on. Come on. Come on. I want our kids to never be afraid of living and worshiping God with passion.
passion. Passion for the house means a passion for unity, for the love of the people of God. Passion for the house means I'm passionate to serve in this great eighth wonder of the world. Passion for the house of God means that everything that I do brings him glory and honor. Amen. In the house of the Lord. I'm passionate about attendance. Anybody passionate about attendance? I realize that some get to come on Sunday morning because they got something going on Sunday night, and some get to come on Sunday night because they got something going on Sunday morning, and, and I understand that completely. I understand jobs. I understand issues that arise, but I want to tell you there ought to be something that stirs within us that says when the doors are open, I'm passionate about the house of God. I'm going to be there because God's going to touch me. God's going to bless me. It just might be that I get a word from the Lord that's for my next month, my next year, my next decade. God's going to bless me. It just might be that my sick body is going to be healed. Amen. In the house of the Lord. I want to be passionate. If you're passionate about the house of God, you're not looking for an escape, but you're looking for, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. We need to be passionate about ministry to all of our preachers today. Let's preach with passion. Let's teach with passion. Let's love with passion. Amen. To all of you small group leaders. Let's do it with passion. Let's do it because it's the house of God that we're connected to. To all of you that work with children and kids connection and Sunday school. Let's do it with passion. What do you say? Let's do it with fervor. Amen. To our youth today. Let's do what we do with passion. With passion. From the pulpit to the back door. From the ministries of the word to the ushers and greeters, from the youth to the seniors, from the musicians to the sound and live stream, from the teachers to the church cleaners, passion. From every publication, from every outreach endeavor, from, with every activity, everything that we do, our goal ought to be fueled by passion. Passion. Make people wonder why you're so excited. Why are you so excited about going to church? Well, it's because we go to an exciting church. Passion for the house of God. Would you stand with me, please? It is time that we have a personal inventory check of our passion. Don't let this world make you be indifferent about the things of God. Don't let a professor sounding brass and Mr. Tinkling cymbal make you become impassionate about the house of God. Don't let that gossiping sister, we don't have those here. There's some other place. I don't know, Brother Wedding, y'all got those? No, don't have those there. They're, they're in the south. Don't, don't, don't let that gossiping sister or that tail-bearing brother rob you of your passion. And they're bigger than your walk with God. My passion doesn't come through prayer. It comes through a decision to be all in with all my heart, everything that I do. Then all of a sudden, my prayer becomes passionate. James writes that the effectual, fervent, fervent, passionate prayer. I've watched as my brother drowned in South 
Louisiana and the Calcasieu River. I watched him as a boy as he went down to the water. Saw my dad jump like a Navy SEAL, just bouncing, boom, boom, right into the river. Grabs him and brings him out of that water. Lays him on that sandbar, white sandbar. A man that was with us begins to perform uh, uh, resuscitation efforts, tried to come around. He was already gone, brother. He was already gone. But I watched my dad. How many know, man, I wish I had my dad's voice. His was deep and loud. And at the top of his lungs, screaming, I command life to come back in this body in the name of Jesus. For an hour and a half, I watched that. There was none of this, Lord, if you will. Lord, could you kind of? But this was a command. This was a passion. Amen. I don't want to be shocked by a situation that compels me to run with passion to God when I have been lackluster and lukewarm about Him. But now when I don't have a challenge like that, when I don't have a need like that, then, oh God, let me come to You with passion because there'll be a day I'm going to need You. I'm going to need You. Can I ask you this question today? Is passion... For the things of God consuming your heart. Are you eat up with church? Are you eat up with the NBA? Are you eat up with the things of the world? Are you eat up with the cares of this life? Or are you eat up with the things of God? Hallelujah. I, 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 Pastor, that's your job. You've got it. Yes, I do. But I want to tell you, I love being in the house of God. I love being in this house. I love preaching to this church. I love being a part with you. Lord, let my passion revive like never before. Praise be to God. Amen. As I said this morning, I'm preaching to pastor because I wanted, I needed to hear what I'm saying today. Lord, let this pastor be a pastor of passion. Let me be a pastor of passion. Let me be a, a man of God with passion. In the name of the Lord. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.